0: Welcome to another Stoned Apes podcast the Motherfuckers are back again Friday? So what did we learn like in the first 30 seconds? Don't light a cigar backwards Probably not best to light the end that goes to your mouth
1: I think we learned that Sam you needs to listen. what the fuck to do
0: no, we We're don't really teach win. shit. No, it's, it's easier players, It's right. easier to <laughs> go after. <laughs> <laughs> Baptism yes, through fire. Is. Baptism <laughs> through <a> fire. <laughs> 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 yeah, when Literally. Eric starts doing that, we'll let you know. I think we yeah. out leadership
1: <laughs> from your guys. <laughs> <Ouch>.
0: Eric's, <like, laughs> Eric's like, here, let me choke I you out. Put you on an arm about. bar. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll show you that later. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about the defense. You know yeah, what you want to do? do? Just enough. You know what you want to do? Not get murdered like that, dude. <laughs> On a serious note, though, I've done that like a bunch. You're not, or like I've been so high, I've lit my I joint know. backward. Yeah. I've been like, yeah, I've oh shit. <laughs> what
2: did
0: we do now? I <laughs> mean, that allegedly happened. Right. Yeah, alleged. Speaking of joints, this is my first time smoking today. I've had a rough fucking day, dude. Like for real. Like I'm not high. That's a problem. It's like what? <laughs> Three. <laughs> I'm not sure what well, fucking why you happened do
2: that
0: to yourself, is the dude. I had to be on today. You know, there are appropriate moments for weed. As much as I love it, there are, there are some days where I just need to be the man and I need to be fucking on, and I got to be there. And I know that doesn't mean I want to be sober, but I have to be. And sometimes you just got to make the responsible decisions, you know. And it was like one of those like fuck adulting. Adulting's bullshit. Adulting dang. sucks. Eh, I think you
2: can adult just fine under the influence.
0: So I think my clientele would. To say otherwise. <laughs> I do a lot of brain work, man. I got. So try and tell You start it, getting like, into those numbers mean? and all that. Like, there's some jobs that I just need. There are specific tasks in which I feel like the Listen, weed really. Man, helps. I'm not going to do math sober or so. Hey. Well, I'll tell <laughs> it's, just it's, it's just not going to happen. So. Hey, uh, the right weed though, especially like a good creative, like we smoke some of this stuff called Blue Dream, and uh, man, that's like an art weed, but it's also a great spreadsheet weed because you get so dialed in. So you can get into the numbers, and like I, was, I can spend hours in the spreadsheet and just get lost. But you know, if I'm sober, it's like I'm looking at YouTube and like constantly looking for distractions, you know? But if I have the right weed, man, I can just zone in and hammer it. Interesting. Is this
2: not gonna happen? Just like, pull it on.
0: All right, so the audience is it. out there. I guess they are wanting we're to know what the walker. fuck we're gonna yeah. talk about today. I don't know. Oh, I have a clue. We have a couple of guests though, don't we? So we got Danny back again, second time of the podcast. Hopefully we're going to get him to open up today. 2.0. Right. Oh, round 2. 2.0. Oh. And then we got Jackie, your better half. Yeah. Exactly. We're really, really looking forward to speaking with her because she's smart. So she's got an advantage on the rest of us. <laughs> Man, <speak laughs> Mrs. <myself>. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're ex-military, right? Tell, tell the audience a little about yourself.
1: What's your story? You have to say words. Um, Yeah, I was in the Air Force for 10 years. And, um, okay, yeah, I've been (laughs) (laughs) Um, married to Eric for, oh God, this is not working the way you guys want. Carpet. Fifteen pounds, thank you, so... Congratulations. <laughs>
0: yes. Like the only woman in the world that wants to gain weight, right? No. I've never told a woman congratulations for gaining weight until yesterday.
1: Look, first. Yep, or a second. Yeah. It happens, yeah. Um, yeah, we've been married for like 12 years. Been doing jiu like five years. And um, I just got out of the military like a year and a half ago, so... Awesome. A lot of adjustments, but...
0: Thank you for your service. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Yeah. You were Air Force, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you were the smart people.
1: I mean, I went into the Air Force. Shoot <laughs> <You're> the rifle! <laughs> <laughs> I had air conditioning, you know, computer work. It was great. Good times,
0: <laughs> right. good times. It good was
1: times. great. <laughs> it was great. Yeah.
0: She's like, my military experience was nothing like yours. Yeah, not
1: what I've heard on the podcast. Not I did none of that. She's like,
0: sometimes we had to stay in the bad hotels.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> and off the bathrooms. We were at a Best Western once, and it was shit. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> look, look we Look, we are only married on here, okay? If it's not JW, we don't stay. So the Air Force, so this is my first, when I was at Fort Riley, we had an airfield. And so it's joint forces at the airfield and the Air Force that got stationed on Fort Riley got an additional BAH allowance for substandard housing because right. they considered our army housing so shit that they would actually pay the Air Force like an More inconvenience an inconvenience fee for having to be on an army base. <laughs> Fair enough, dude. Think about how different that has to be. I've seen both. Mm. Yeah.
2: It's I like heard Alibone, those... if you're used to one thing, like a certain way of life and you have to go back to a different way. Like, yeah, you get
0: to the army base, you're like, what is this shit? <laughs> I heard Dude, those stories, they don't like so these people
1: airport, <laughs>
0: When I lived in the barracks of Fort
3: drum uh, I ran into we had tack peas located on our on our post and like at the time we shared like bunk bedded rooms with a one shared shower between two rooms right and I ran into these tack peas and these guys were my rank. And we're like, well, I'm like, where, where's the Air Force barracks? It's like, well, there's only a few of us, so we stay over here. I go, that's the NCO barracks, <laughs> mm-hmm. with the bigger, like, they had a full big room and their own bathroom mm-hmm. and everything. I'm like, oh, so you guys, you guys share a room over there then? That's, and they're like, share? <laughs> no, we have it to ourselves. And I'm like, you get NCO rooms? And they go, those rooms are shit. The Air Force pays us like three hundred dollars a month for like a. Stipend because we live in oh, such substandard dude, conditions. So I'm like, they have twice as big a room, don't share a bathroom, and they're getting paid extra so, money.
0: So here I am. It's Iraq. It's two thousand three, <laughs> and I think it's like probably like March or April. I don't. I don't remember the time frame. But we just got done with the initial war effort, and we're living in this blown out Republican Guard compound. It was called the Two Seventy Thunderdome, and it was just like all the windows were missing most of it was moon dust shit everywhere no plumbing like shit and well we get tasked on IED duty because we are combat engineers so we get tasked on this so what they did is they um they sent us some uh air force EOD as an attachment to go ahead because the EOD is a little bit more specialized than we are so they were in charge of actually blowing the IEDs and um so they get there, and like the first day or so I see these guys, they got pressed uniforms, and they're super clean, everything looks nice, and I'm like, damn, I was like, how are you guys so dress right dress, like, in this, and he's like, oh, well, we just get ready at the hotel, how the fuck are you talking about hotel, <laughs> they're living in Kuwait City, they're at Camp Doha, living in a fucking hotel, <laughs> taking a helicopter back and forth to Baghdad in the fucking morning. Well, we're living in that shit. I was so mad. You have to try I was like, to right. that was that was the moment in life where I realized that all of my decisions were wrong. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, I because did this, this to, to myself. Yes. You're like, All right, well, we're gonna go get some showers and you hop on the helicopter and you're just watch yeah. leave.
1: <laughs> no, we didn't even have showers then. No. Yeah, they, we did. Yeah,
0: those fuckers.
3: I actually tried when I came back in. Uh, my first wife, she was like, I don't want you doing that job where you're, you know, in harm's way or whatever. So I'm like, I walk into the Air Force recruiter, and he's looking, he's like, prior service, he's like, do you me any idea what you want to do? We don't guarantee jobs or rest I, said, I think I'll be an SP. But what I really knew is I was like, I'm already airborne qualified 11 Bravo. They're going to snatch me up for para-rescue selection in a heartbeat, right? I've already got like half of the qualifications. And so I'm sitting there, and he's like, you got your DD-214? I hand it to the recruiter, he looks, and he's like, you're, you're already living Bravo, with a papa. He goes. You know what Pararescue is, and I'm like, I'm
0: like, never heard of I'm like,
3: it. Oh, I think I vaguely heard of it. I'm sitting there and Melissa, my wife at the time, is like, what's that? And he goes, oh, and I'm like sitting there going like this. Shut the
1: fuck
3: <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we left there and she goes, nope, that that
0: ain't that ain't gonna work. Uh, I just had a high thought, the first one of the day. Divorced ever? Divorced ever? Nope. Two army men. Divorced we can get like, catalog wives. Twice. Yeah, mm mm. Twice. We have a running list here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Women out there don't seek army men.
1: Yeah, no shit. <clears>
0: we come with baggage. On the first round. Yeah. <laughs> if a divorce it's okay. We are difficult to deal with. Yeah, maybe uh, if you're the
1: third wife, you're alright. No,
0: that's that's pretty much how it was. I know. Yeah. By wife by wife number three we figure it out. We get all the kinks worked out. The second one might as well have been a stripper. Like terrible. I feel so bad for the first two. Terrible series. Terrible human My first marriage I got married at eighteen. And then I was divorced by like 22, 23. No, maybe I was twenty-three. And then I was remarried again a few was years she a later. Did you meet her off base? No, no, she was <laughs> my she was my high school sweetheart. That was the yeah. Don't do that, people. That shit does not end well. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> How old did you um, your first marriage? Twenty-two.
3: Yeah. Like she actually, we dated the last year I was in and then she moved to come with me in Colorado once I got out and then I came back in Fort Lewis was great Germany was bad she was like a rich girl like we fought about money a lot cuz she couldn't not spend it and then I actually I moved her here to Hillsboro with a friend of mine at the time well his wife cuz he was in Afghanistan with the guard and I moved her here and a month later She started having an affair with a dude here and I was gonna get out. She convinced me to re-enlist. And then that went sideways. I bad luck with women cheating on me. I don't know. Second one had an affair almost the whole marriage
0: and I found that out at the end. I was
1: in also Hawaii. goes with the army territory. It, no, it <laughs> oh man, when done. I came
0: back from Iraq, I came back, I was stop lost when I went to Iraq. So I was Me actually too. supposed to get out of the army. Oh, look at that. I got stop lost and extended. So when I rotated out, I rotated out of Iraq after seven and a half months. My Most of my units stayed there for a year. So I came back a few months early. And so when I came back, I was living in housing still because I was technically still married, even though I was separated at the time. And I'm telling you what, I would wake up in the morning and it was like, you would look through housing and it was just a revolving door of cars, like you'd be watching guys leave every morning, a new truck, a new guy, a new truck, a new guy, and it was just like, man, as a 23 year old guy just getting back from Iraq, that was terrible to see that, knowing that, Mm -hmm. I think that's the one thing that a lot of people who haven't done a lot of deployments or been in that situation don't realize, like, when the soldier leaves on deployment, his life stops. Like, his whole life is whatever moment it was that you left. And so when you're back here living in the civilian world, your life continues to go on. And so you gain these six, seven months, eight months, a year or whatever of life experience. And you've now been this to introduce this person back into your life at this moment. And the problem is, is this person is still stuck seven months ago and doesn't realize that there's been a transition yet. And they want to come back home to, like, business as usual. And so you you've got these guys out there that like that's their whole connection to like reality right that's their that's their cornerstone is this person at home. it's an anchor wall and you're then when home. you yeah. when you look at what's going on behind closed doors and what's happen what that anchor's doing and it's it's, it's terrible, atrocious right? and i don't care whether it's man or woman it's like you know you should have a little bit if you're going to put yourself in that position I think that there should be a little bit of commitment to the partner that you're with. So I sold it. Just a little bit, man. I mean, you're, you're make, as a spouse to a military person, you're making just as much of a sacrifice as that soldier is. And, and just like that soldier has certain duties and requirements, you're signing up for that. And I'm not saying that all relationships need to be that way, but that's the contract in that situation, and you should be willing to honor the contract or don't sign up for it. Well, and oh, I told my first wife, I had already been... My first tour, we weren't together. I deployed
3: to Bosnia. Single dude. uh, And I saw when we got... We were actually there for eight months. um, And when we got back, there were... I saw a bunch of just bad, ill shit that happened to some guys.
0: Mm. But
3: with that, I also saw, like, on R&R, they sent us to... Because we were there so long, they sent us on R&R for, like, Four or five days, and we went to Budapest. Mm-hmm. I was the only didn't have a girlfriend; just me, whatever. Everybody I went to was either married or engaged, and mm-hmm. they all spent at least two thousand dollars on hookers. Yeah, like it was insane, mm-hmm. and I was like, and then coming back, they're all feeling guilty and whatever, you know. And I'm like, these guys, like, so in that regard, they were <laughs> fucked up too. Oh, it goes both ways. Yeah. It does. hundred oh, well, percent. And then when, so before I deployed to Iraq told my first wife I was not a good person not not a good person at the time but I was in murder death kill mode and I said listen I'm telling you right now for your own well-being based on what I think I'm going to be like when I get back cuz we had buddies coming back I said if you I said I don't expect you to stop your life you have friends here you have a job you have everything else I said if you go out to a bar get drunk and something happens I want you to tell me, don't tell me till I'm home.
0: Yeah, please don't tell me we there. Oh, right, and I, <laughs> well, I
3: said, I'll be able to understand it. I'm not saying we'll stay together, I don't know that, mm-hmm. but I'll be able to wrap my head around that. I said, now, if I find out a dude's been sleeping in my bed, petting my dog, drinking my beer, you might not want to let that happen because you might get your head cut off or something. Like, because I see, I, I'd seen these things. Right? Yeah. No, because there dude, was a, no.
0: There let, was a story we hey, got told. Let oh, me okay. tell you my my yeah. experience. So the neighbor next to me, right? Her husband was deployed and he was in like signal or something. I didn't know the guy, and um, he had a best friend and he sent his best friend back because his best friend went early and he said, "Would you please check on my wife? You know, just make sure my family's okay." They had a wife and like three kids and whatever. This dude comes back. Gets with this guy's wife, falls in love with her, gets her pregnant. Then, before this soldier returns, leaves, gives the three kids to her mother, leaves with this other guy, like, goes to Europe or something, wherever he got stationed, and completely just rolls out. That was the most disgusting situation, I think, from a moral standpoint I've ever witnessed, personally. And I just thought, my God, how could you do that to someone? Well, the reason I was worried about it is, like people snapping but again a lot of that is the drugs
3: to the sris and stuff because it can cause a psychological break which i found out i told her that because i just heard a story about there was a i think it was a 18 bravo and first group up the road they had done a rotation to the Philippines. what's an 18 bravo uh what special forces weapons sergeant okay first special forces group because we're right up the road from them well we got told i think a Jag told me that. To, no, a Jag told me a different one. This was a guy I knew in the unit told me about this. They came back from the Philippines. You get a four-day weekend, right? Come home. Well, they're a Special Forces A team, so it's big boy rules. Well, Tuesday morning rolled around, dude didn't show up. Nobody really messed with it. It's super big boy rules they left alone. Well, Wednesday morning, guy did not show up, and so the team sergeant goes. He sends two of the guys. He's like, hey, go by his house because he's not answering his phone, and we can see what's up. These two dudes allegedly, this is the story I was told, go to the door. guy answers the door and just his boxer is holding the beer. He's like, oh, hey, what's up, fellas? Come on in, blah, blah, blah. And he's drinking a beer. There's beer bottles all over the living room. It's just a shit show. And they're like, hey, so where's whatever his wife's name was? And he goes, oh, she's in the bedroom. You guys can go say hi if you want. And they went back, and this lady, her lover and her were nailed to the wall. Jesus. And he had tortured them all weekend and then just killed them that morning. And those two guys came out of the bedroom. The two operators, his buddies, came out. And he was sitting on the couch and he goes, Guys, I know my head's not right. He goes, I'm about to call the cops and turn myself in. he goes, just do me a favor and have one last beer with me. Good Lord. I got a worse one. (laughs) Infantry OSIT. They send you in. I'm glad I'm smoking. The JAG, like literally the judge advocate rep, is briefing you on, here's military justice. And it doesn't matter how bad somebody does you, like blah, blah, blah. The JAG tells us a story in OSUT of 1st Ranger Battalion, one of the platoons in the companies was out doing like fixed wing rotation jumps or something. Well, him and his buddy in another company hung out all the time, well, this one kid got sent home early because his wife was in the hospital having the baby, so they sent him home, hey, get home, your wife's having a kid, well, the chow hall was right there by the compound at the time, there were pay phones, he saw his buddy, like his best friend from another platoon down on the pay phone, he's like, oh, shit, I'm going to sneak up on him, so when he's walking to sneak up on this dude, allegedly, this dude's on the phone, and he's like, don't worry, yeah, we'll sort it out, baby, don't worry, we'll tell him once he's calm, and he's been home for a while, (laughs) hmm. dude goes to the hospital <laughs> where his wife just had a
1: kid oh no, he puts baby
3: walks in, no he walks in, the girl play. no, <laughs> the kid's black he, he walks I've in, seen that he walks times. in brown paper bag and he goes hey baby, she's like oh hey baby blah 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 to her husband, he walks in he's like yeah hey I brought you something she he drops it on her lap, she opens the bag screaming, he severed the he cut the dude's head off right at the payphone
1: oh my gosh right at the payphone
3: How? he's like that ain't my kid Oh, It was night time He oh. got home late The dude was on a payphone Talking to her Dang. The Jag told us that In basic How do you trading. know that that's Dang. who he was talking to? That's the story the Jag told us
1: and, <laughs>
3: and he said look Because everybody's like Wow that's messed up Well he goes yeah And that guy's making big really rocks trash. Little rocks in Fort Leavenworth For the rest yeah. of his life So the moral of the story audience Is don't be a, jo- a Jody Yeah <laughs>
1: Stay away yeah.
3: It's messed up stuff man But a lot of it like I said too that SF dude, I'm pretty sure he was on SRIs. Yeah. Because we've seen a lot of people either kill themselves or have psychological breaks on that. Mm-hmm. And uh,
0: What I, are SRIs for the audience?
3: The serotonin reuptake inhibitors, the happy pills, whatever. It's in the insert that it can make you snap if you really read it. I told the guys at the TBI clinic, I'm sitting in front of a panel of doctors when I'm getting interviewed. Because they have the psychologist or whatever, and I'm like... They're like, we can give you this. We can give you speech therapy, neurology, psychology, all this stuff. And I said, uh, I'm going to throw this out there right now just so it's clear. I said, if you guys try to give me an SRI, any of them, not interested. I'm not doing it. Because to date, I've had, like I said, about 10 friends kill themselves in the last 10 years.
0: So who are the people that are getting the SRIs? Why are they prescribing them?
3: It's the, yeah, depression, any of uh, the behavioral health type stuff, they prescribe that. And it's another reason why I wonder about that 22-a-day suicide thing, just because I know enough dudes who've killed themselves, and I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. But We we
1: prescribe them all the time, especially in the military. The common... Right. The
3: common factor I've seen in all of them, and I talked to them about that, the doctors there, and they were like, well, you know, blah, blah, and tried to tell me, well, you might be wrong. And I said, look, I'm, I'm an anecdote. I'm a person of one. But here's what I've seen. Here's what I've read about oh yeah, some these of are these right things. I'm like, not. I'm not gonna kill a loved one or something, or snap and shoot myself or whatever. If I come down over a pill that you recommended me to take.
2: Yeah. Well,
3: it's like if you get off of it, what happens? You, you know what? Like. Yeah. The same. The same shit. I had a. Fr- I had a dude I knew in Germany who all next to him having crazy dreams and then he
0: got off of them for a few days and then he woke up out in his front yard some crazy stuff. It's like I, I don't know what to do. Well that's the problem man the relationship that we have with pharmaceutical drugs in this come in this country specifically is nothing short of ridiculous. Right. You know, we we have normalized these drugs as what they are and they come with all these side effects and the, including death. Right, mm-hmm. you know I got prescribed once an uh, inhaler I uh, thought I had asthma at the time. It was connected to my acid reflux. But the guy had a, he, he prescribed me this once-a-day inhaler. It was called AdBear. Right? Really popular at the time. The powder. And soap I soap read soap. the uh, the side effects. And one of the side effects was could cause sudden instantaneous death. And so a couple of weeks later, I go do the follow-up with the doctor. And he goes, hey, how's the prescription working? I said, I haven't taken it. And he goes, why? And I told him. And he goes, oh... Because you gotta understand, he goes in those studies. Even if it just happens to one person, they have to list it. And I was like, "Yo, man,
1: two—that's
0: <laughs> enough." Well, yeah. like I don't need a second oh, that can occurrence to kill someone. Yeah, like I'd rather have asthma. Like I don't know yeah. about you, but you know, all the prescription drugs are that way.
1: Uh, yeah, I was you know say, we. Uh, at least <laughs> you have the the chance to choose whether or not you use that. But like things like uh, birth control are like horrific for women's bodies you know and their hormones and stuff and there's not a lot of you know other options or it's not the other options aren't like culturally popular right uh, yeah well we
0: want to fix everything you know I I had a I was talking to an uh, office manager of mine the other day she was having a lot of problems with arthritis and stuff like that and and I told her I said you know that the uh the core of the arthritis is inflammation And she's like, well, you know, I'm trying to find ways to cure the inflammation. And I said, well, what you need to do, though, is you need to figure out what's causing the inflammation, right? and this is the problem with modern medicine we say, well you have inflammation, here's some ibuprofen. Okay, well great, that gets rid of the inflammation, but you didn't stop what caused the inflammation. So the inflammation is still going to be there. And I'm like, you know, you need to look at your diet. You need to look at the foods that you're eating. There's probably something that's in your diet that's causing inflammation. Certain foods will make you inflamed, right? Could have a gluten sensitivity. Well, if you have something like that, and then that causes inflammation, and you're already overweight, well then you're going to run into things like arthritis, right? Okay. But modern medicine medicine pharmaceutical medicine doesn't treat the core problem they go in there and they give you that pill and they say here this is going to take care of your arthritis you're going to be fine now and again now you're going to have all these other side effects And they're going to prescribe you another medicine to manage that side effect and another one to manage that side effect until they have you on so many medications and it's just a money pit well it's all it's all it's greed. all it is it's all greed it's all it, it's all a, it's a capitalist healthcare structure the whole goal behind it is to generate wealth.
2: It's a business model. Yeah.
0: It's a business model. Well, even if you and look... people don't look at it that way. They think that it's just healthcare, like it's some social oh, good. I, like, but it's not being treated that way. I don't know if it's way. true,
2: but I've heard we're the only country that allows ads where it says, Ask your doctor about blah, 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 yeah. blah.
0: I'm not sure about that, but I do know that we're one of the only G9 nations that don't have a socialized healthcare system. Now, we're the only one there, and if you look at a lot of our health care laws, and if you look a lot of our um, maternity leave laws, things like that, you'll see that we're like, there's only three or four undeveloped countries in the world that have laws on par with ours. We're considered an undeveloped nation, our laws are so out of place. The rest of the world isn't functioning that way. Oh, the problem.
3: I know what you mean, but it's the great... Like, I think it's something like 80% of the ads on every news network are Pfizer, is the funder. Like, 80%. And it's like, to what the point you are talking about, most of these pills is to treat a symptom, not to treat the root cause. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why if you look... I, th- I find it funny that if you look at, like, how a veterinarian treats an animal, right? They do a ton of it with, like, oh, this is a mineral deficiency, or, oh, there's this... But it's nothing that your pet usually is on forever because they're like, it's just a different thing, and you're like, well, wait a minute. Does
1: that apply to Hang us on a second. Well, on the, well, you look at the... incentivized
3: thing. That's why when the, like talking about the the COVID vaccine, you know, it was like, oh, we rushed this through and did all these things, and there's this one, there's this one, there's this one, and I find it funny that like the military was running through, and based on the data that that they knew about. That was the least at-risk population in the country. Mm-hmm. They tried to do it in the name of readiness, and then I literally have buddy, I have a buddy who's a freefall instructor at Airborne School. I haven't talked to him in a while. I'm hoping he was able to fight it. He uh, he had two lawyers working for him, and all the emerg- for emergency use Pfizer vaccines. His lawyers like every time I want you to say before I take this. I want to see the lot number and see this, that, and the other, none of them were for actually emergency use when he was saying, I want to see these things. And a bunch of con- whistleblowers just came out, like IG and, uh, what do you call it, division surgeon level people were blowing the whistle saying, yeah, we've seen a 200% uptick in this, a 300% uptick in this, and right now we've got, like, athletes dropping dead of cardiac shit, it's like, I'm not saying that's what it is, I don't know what it is, but if... You know, correlation and always equal causation, but you just got to wonder, and then all of a sudden, oh, there's all these boosters and all this stuff, and it's like...
0: Well, you have to realize, and I think that... I want a, a couple of statements. One, when when you understand the... the I, I think we throw a lot of words out there like capitalism right? And I don't think people really understand what capitalism is sometimes. They think of it, well, that's how our economy is. It's the greatest way to produce wealth, right? But capitalism is essentially a mutual benefit of one's um, escalated or driven by the pursuit of one's own self-interest, right? By pursuing my own self-interest, it will therefore benefit other people. And then we have, you know, trickle-down economics and other things that come into the play there that we've kind of convinced ourselves of. But, when, when Adam Smith created capitalism with the Wealth of Nations, the model was actually a lot different than what it is today. The the Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations model had a lot of social protections built in because there was a lot of things that we wouldn't pay for because in the pursuit of our own best interests, right? Like roads. Right? You're not. You may road the part in front of your house, but are you going to pay for roads for everybody? No. So we have to have taxes. That becomes a social welfare, right? So all of our roads, police, right? How many people would pay for personal protection? So we have to have police. So the police and the fire departments and all these government structures are all socialist platforms. And Adam Smith, when he made, when he wrote The Wealth of Nations and, and made basically discovered capitalism. Uh, he set forth that it needed those social protections. But in the 1970s, we had this situation occur where we had a lot of pollution starting and a lot of uprising coming with the with the population of people against corporations because they were destroying the cities. And if you look at the pictures back then, and especially with like uh, what was happening up in Detroit and places, it was terrible. And so the pushback came back. But then there was a popular economist at the time, Milton Friedman, and he came out... <clears throat> and was in a Time magazine article and he said that the greatest social responsibility for a corporation and the only responsibility for a corporation was to produce wealth for its shareholders right now people have got to realize like for the audience if you don't know they're in an organization you have shareholders and stakeholders stakeholders are the members of the organization the employees the workers the infrastructure the things that exist within the organization your shareholders are your board of directors your stock owners your heads of the organization so what they said when they made that transition was Corporations used to be invested into the stakeholders, that's why we had pension funds, yeah, right? right? So so pay attention to little key markers like that. We had pension funds when we were under Smithsonian capitalism. In the 1970s, we went under the... Um, Crony capitalism. Well, we, we, changed, uh, to, we changed our model of capitalism to a, what's called the neoliberal model of capitalism. We changed structure. When we change structure, that's when we started seeing corporate layoffs, that's when we started seeing disbanding of pension funds, the rise of 401ks, individual responsibility for retirement. All of this is because those things only produce wealth for these shareholders. All corporate interests, regardless of the company, exist in a shareholder maximization model because we are in a neoliberal model of capitalism. Now for any of the audience who wants to fact check me on that, you need to go to the neoliberal model Academy of Economics in Britain. They recently had a name change from Smithsonian Economics Institute to the neoliberal model because of the recognition of this shift. Oh, that's what we talked about on the range, that one. Right. So when you, when you understand how aggressive, we, we don't just have a capitalist structure, there's capitalism all over the world. Um, Norway, for example, we recognize them as a socialist country. They are a socialist governed country with a capitalist economy. They still have capitalism. North Korea, North Korea is a communist governed country with a capitalist economic system. There is capitalist communism, okay? It's called statism, right? These are forms of economic structures. So we have the most aggressive capitalistic structure that exists on the planet. Okay. Period. No one has a more aggressive model than we do. But that model, it drives wealth, but it only drives wealth to shareholders. Now that's why we see the gap in income growing from where did the eruption of the middle class came from? In a capitalist economy a middle class doesn't exist. Capitalist is survival of the fittest. So you will always have monopoly. You have to govern in through social regulation and middle class or it doesn't exist. So people said, well, there was a war in the middle class. No, there wasn't, they just stopped regulating it. When they changed from the neoliberal model, they stopped regulating the need for a middle class because there was no social responsibility to the people anymore. And then we lost those regulations and we came to where now the wealthiest 1%, we see that escalation of growth over that last 25 years, right? So now you bring that in, and let's look at pharmaceuticals, okay? Yeah. This is this takes a minute to explain, but the impact is, is severe. We don't realize how wealthy our corporations are. If I was to take the 240-something countries in the world, and I was going to line them up, and I was to show you their gross domestic product, and then I was going to take one of our corporations, like ExxonMobil, and I was going to show you their gross domestic product, okay? ExxonMobil is like the... 13th largest country in the world. Okay? Now, ExxonMobil oil companies are not the richest organizations. The richest industry of all of them is the healthcare, specifically the pharmaceutical industry. They are somewhere in the area of about 500 times the earnings of all other industries.
3: They've invested in keeping you safe.
0: That's your healthcare system. That capitalist corporate structure, that is designed to generate wealth for the shareholders. It is a neoliberal capitalist model. That is the only thing that you need to be concerned about because that is the distribution of healthcare in this country. Period. Yeah, and that
1: the, trickles all the way down all to the your way down. wait times at your doctor. All the way down
0: to what toilet and, paper they use. Yes. Well and 100%. then you look
1: it at that and then you look how it. can
0: we cut costs? How we can maximize efficiency? How we can we generate more wealth? That's it. It's not concerned about the care. And it's it. concerned about what generates wealth. Well, period.
3: And then when you look at stuff that happens with acquisitions like BlackRock and like buying up everything, owning it under other parent companies, it's like this oligarchy is still existing. It's just not existing in government structures. Like, the governance of things that are happening and influencing things, it might as well be a government. Like, corporations are what are running the world. Like, Mm -hmm. corporate structures. Like, the. that's why it's the whole, like, if your vote matters, you know. Even if you look at... I heard Matt Gates talk about the whole Speaker of the House thing that happened with uh, trying to get McCarthy and how they had to negotiate. And he said, look, like... If you look at how the Speaker of the House has done, he said the the special interest revenue that is collected and redistributed, it's somewhere in the neighborhood. It has to be a minimum of like $100 million. He generated like twice that, but now you're beholden to your special interest in the things you do. And that's why they were kind of holding it hostage for a while and said, look, we want to lease these things, but it's almost like a bridge too far at this point.
0: Well, and that's why I think when I get into this subject with people, I think our government system is closer to fascism and corporatism than it is anything else. It is now. And you look at how much power the corporations have. You know, I look back at, uh, what was it, 2000 and, um, oh, it was like, four. I don't remember the year, somewhere, uh, probably eight, nine years ago. But we had that first gas price increase, right? And it went all the way to the point that a Congress was brought Exxon Mobil to the board yep, and was like going after them for gouging. Well, here's here's what the viewing audience probably doesn't know. When you break down the cost of a barrel of oil, all right, the the after refinement cost, the percentage that the ExxonMobil makes off of at that time off every barrel or gallon of gas sold was about three percent, right? Now you go, and you go look at the federal tax rate on gas, okay? And so if we go back to my earlier example, if I told you that ExxonMobil was on the verge of being in the top 10 largest countries in the world, right? Influence and power. And think about that, too. Let's say you're France, and you're underneath ExxonMobil, and you have a problem with the United States, and you walk over and you just say, hey, I got this issue. And your number one funder has more funding than entire country, who do you think's getting the voice?
2: Yep.
0: Right? Well, here's the thing that we got to really put in perspective. If that, co- that that company making 3% is that rich? Now, the government every time we sell a gallon of gas makes that off of every single gallon of gas sold from every oil company in existence. That is revenue that they Why don't we have alternative fuels? Where are we going to replace that revenue? No, that's that. that's billions and maybe now trillions of dollars. I haven't looked at the numbers lately. But that is a significant amount of income that is not replaceable. And those corporations now have the vested interest of the government in the alignment. You're not going to get anything against them. And we have that in the healthcare industry, the oil industry, the utilities industry, all the way across the board. And if you if you look at it, you say, who really is pulling the strings? The corporations,
3: right? Well, that's why you've seen the recent moves in my in my view to like this thing where everybody, everybody thought I was full of it, where they were talking about we need to outlaw natural gas appliances. It's a like, recent push where they're like, oh, we need to do this in the name of the green agenda and all these other things, but it's because just like even locally here they're trying to mandate now putting in smart meters. Most people don't know there's an opt-out, but if you can shut people's power off, it's control, mm-hmm. right? And I've said that before. Like You will not see any form of... any widespread form of renewable energy until it can be monetized more efficiently than petroleum. Yeah. Well, what is it with the same with the legalization of
2: weed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. You're not, not going to see any... Regulation of weed until they can tax it. Or well, well, because and, and, and
0: let me shape this for the audience so that they understand why the prison system is a huge moneymaker yep. because and that's a lot. Well, a lot of the reasons why we have it because most of our prisons are individually owned and in they're yeah. corporations, just like our toll roads, right? right. So there is an exchange of. Um, There's an exchange of payments from the government to the prison back and forth for every prisoner is in there So every prisoner in prison right now has a dollar value to them Okay, if you legalize something that limits that you have to replace that dollar value So until the dollar value matches until they can make if they're making 200 billion over here They got to make 200 billion over here or the government loses money You're never going to get the regulation until the income is there and that unfortunately and it's so I tell people, so you wanna solve all of these really intricate issues in society, just follow the money.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. Follow with the, the money and
0: you'll figure out real quickly why things aren't happening or what's going oh, on. It's like we said last year, you know, it's uh, the greatest mob in the world with a monopoly on violence. Yeah. As long as you can or as long as you can pay. Right. Well that's why, you know, back to that corporate infrastructure. Norway was the smartest country in the world with that. So what they did with the Norway did something that was really cool. When they hit oil and they decided they were going to grow wealth, they decided they were going to invest this into a hedge fund and they were going to put all of their profits into the hedge fund and then the the country doesn't own it or the government doesn't own it. They gave it to the people. So every single person in Norway now is vested into this fund. This fund has grown to be the largest in the world right now. This is why this is important. What that's done is that's given them majority share, sig- or not majority share, significant share ownership of most of the major corporations in the world. So when they have board meetings, the country of Norway, when Google has a board meeting, will show up and has shown up. A lot of the recent privacy law changes that we've seen from Google was Norway, because they have the power in that monopoly. They were smart, they thought ahead. Canada did the same thing, but you know what Canada didn't do? They didn't allow, they allowed their politicians to borrow from it, just like we did our social security. Social fund.
2: security
3: yep.
0: Canada's broke, Norway's not. Well, it's, it's it's a cultural difference. It's a way of thinking. We don't think that way. We think greed, 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 and we we reap our, what we sow. Well, if you look even how like social security as an example,
3: when it was originally passed, was supposed to be touched, right? And then they were like, well, we're just going to borrow on in the interest, <laughs> right? And then uh, there was one county, I think it was in Texas or something, where they somehow opted out and they allowed people to reinvest that. And everybody there, I, I heard some case, it was a case study I heard on it, and you probably could find it in something you have access to. But how astronomically wealthy people were able to retire and that, who were under that particular system it's, and I'll use this as an example. My—I uh, don't think I've said this yet. I'm actually a card-carrying member of the Citizens Potawatomi Nation. I don't look Indian at all, but I'm an Indian. Like I have a how? tribal number and everything. Right? I don't look. My grandfather how who passed. Was. Like, well. <laughs> no, my grandfather who passed. We know what your grandfather did. Don't you worry? I think. I think we I think all know. know. So I'm actually related to Andrew Jackson and Robert E. Lee which makes you. sense because I believe in dueling but um, <laughs> um, no I think it was he took a squaw something anyway it doesn't matter yeah I'm a no kidding like I can put na- I've actually had the chief of the tribe tell me at a meeting when I was with my grandfather in Washington before he passed he's like you need to put Native American on your stuff well when the Department of Indian Affairs stood up and divvied because you always hear this what percentage are you what percentage are you that started with a bunch of the tribes getting greedy when they found out there were going to be reparations my tribe said no we're going to take that and we're going to reinvest in the tribe and they sent all the younger bright people in the generation you go be a doctor you go be a lawyer you go do this we're the wealthiest tribe in the nation right now and they told me like i can my kid even my wife she can marry into the tribe and it's how they took their money it's the same kind of concept of what they did with their money putting it back to the
0: people and how it now they're the biggest, richest
3: tribe in the nation.
0: Well, when you look at it, so well, I've done a lot of economic structure studies. Okay, and You're Norway, talk, right? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Norway is the, the one that fascinates me the most. And what I realize there's there's two examples of this. Jap- Japan has an example of this, and Norway has an example of this. The culture is what makes it work, right? It isn't the rules necessarily; it's the culture of the people. Norway is a very family structured people. They have long dinner times, a, a dinner time there will go from like 9 to 10 or 11 in the evening. They work 30 hour weeks. They're, uh, when they have the paternal leave, it's for both parents and they can take that up to three years of age and they get 18 months for the woman and like uh, 12 or, or I think it's 12 to 18 months for the man, I think the woman can take up to 36 months and their social programs are designed with incentives that are correct, right? And so I think we miss this a lot in society. The incentive behind what you are, the way you design a program revolves around its incentive, right? If I create a good incentive and it's structured correctly, it will do what it's supposed to do. And they it incentivize their programs. Like when um, they had a layoff from COVID, I had talked to uh, one of our family members in Norway. And... She was heading back to work. Well, they got siphons just like we got unemployment. They got an unemployment that matched her salary at the time that COVID happened. But then she was allowed to go back to work. And what they would do is they would lower the amount of unemployment until her income adjusted. And then once she reached the point of her old income, then they would release it. See, that's incentivized for you to be productive. When we had the same problem, what did we do? We paid out a small stipend. We didn't replace income. We already created a major economic burden, even though we're laying out a bunch of money. Then we took away that money if people saw any employment at all, right? We didn't continue any type of severance. And so we've incentivized the program to do exactly what we didn't want it to do. We incentivized it for people to stay home. And so you can't look at that and say, well, that's the problem with socialism. No, that's the problem with the shitty design program. Yeah. Okay. You incentivize that program wrong. You could have done better, do better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, The country that did better. But when you look at all of their structures, they're designed like that. And so what happens is, is you have a government who is ruling for the people and the people are deeply invested. You flip that over to the capitalist structure. And we don't have that. And when we do it, when we do create social programs, we incentivize them completely wrong. We blow them up. We, we make capitalist endeavors out of them, right? And we terrorize that environment because one thing that is truly not compatible is capitalism and socialism. You look at Venezuela and you can see the whole story on that. You can't have a corrupt system and have a socialist government. Argentina, too. Right? So, while well, you're missing the point. is There's a chance that I could be a
2: millionaire Oh,
1: yeah.
0: So American dream. Oh, I would go... But that's exactly the problem. <laughs> so, you look at the I economic... Mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's a chance that I can be. You look at the economic <laughs> structure of Norway. Norway is one of the richest countries in the world, per capita. You look at the economic structure of Norway, what you'll see is a robust middle class. Norway has a lot of rich people, too, because they are a capitalist economy. But their rich people fail in comparison to ours. The, the difference between the rest of the world's rich people and our rich people, is astronomical. Yeah, and I want yeah, to be okay? our world. Rich yeah. Yeah. So but the what they have is they have a robust middle class, and they don't have the level of poverty that we do. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm a, okay. I'm a, but we have this. We <laughs> have this giant gap. <laughs> I'm just
1: kidding.
0: Well, you know, there's Jackie, for the mic. there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of arguments because Norway is just a smaller kidding. country and they have access to more wealth. But regardless, the incentive behind their policies and the culture behind the policy is why one works and the other one doesn't and you know and that's and and that's where i was going to bring in the other example for japan with culture so one of the things that i got into is manufacturing and efficiency and obviously i like toyota products right Mm, and i'm a pretty big lexus fan and so i started like researching like i know that toyota builds a lot of parts in america with american workers i know that they also go around the world And they have a great quality control system. But also know that we have quality workers here. Mm -hmm. And then we are producing things in Mexico and whatever. But the real question in my mind is, why is a Toyota just so much more reliable than an American-made car? They seem to be mechanically relatively similar. Why does one work and the other one doesn't? Period. And when you go far enough down the management rabbit hole, there's studies on this. And the study is cultural. In Japan, they take a ton of pride in their work. In fact, they have a, I forgot what they call it. There's a, there's a name for a master craftsman in Japan. And so when you look at reliability reports for vehicles, the only car that's more reliable than Toyota is Lexus. And the reason why is in order to work at the Lexus, it be in Lexus. You have to be a worker for Toyota for 10,000 hours. I thought a Lexus was a Toyota. Yeah, so have I thought they to be a black belt they, belt are. It they are. Ours. Yeah, Toyota okay, Motor Corporation. Right. Okay. Lexus is only has black belts. Yeah, it's <laughs> only has black belts. You're a master technician, and they have a name for this. And they're the only ones allowed to work at Lexus. And that's why Lexus is a better product than Toyota. And if you go to my Lexus and then you go to my Forerunner, it's a better product. Hands down.
3: Did you know but
0: I? Oh, hold on, I'll get. To, but what this boils down to is, even at the lowest level, that worker is going to take pride in their work. They view it as a personal, like it's it's a such a personal hurt that if something they built wasn't right. Now compare that to the American worker today. Okay, now I have a lot of people that I'm a carpenter. I have a lot of people that are union card carrying carpenters. I look at the quality of their work. They know. Damn well that isn't fucking good work. Yeah. They don't have a don't fucking care. You can't say that we <laughs> don't have that same down. mentality in America either. I mean, the seven, you know what eight the years
3: of Boeing. I what mean, that?
0: that was my no, whole no, no, no. Yeah, persona no, no. Yeah, when I right. worked on all the military just aircraft, just bombs, just whatever the case right. may be. Is I took pride in that. Well, I think that you have variations. I think there are people. Of course there's going to be people. There's a scale. I just think the majority yeah. Yeah. of that culture oh, there's significantly outweigh well, that Exactly, even, that's my point. Even yeah. this sell, so this is what I
3: was going to say. So, like, I have my third Tacoma right now, right? When I went to buy it in Georgia, the salesman who sold it to me, he was an Indian guy, like, from India, immigrant. Dot. I I knew what I wanted already. Exactly. I told him, blah, 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 we got to he goes, let's take it for a test drive. And I said, hey, brother, I don't need to. And he goes, no, let's get in. He proceeds to tell me, he goes, yeah, when Toyota developed this version, it was actually the 13th prototype. He's given me specs I didn't even know, and then when we were just talking through the course of going through the paperwork and whatever, he goes, yeah, he goes, so there's actually a tiered program even for salesmen to know this, this, and this. This guy, as a sales rep at the Toyota dealership, had purchased on his own two accords for clients if they needed work done on vehicles that Mm -hmm. he could give as loaner. The... And and the Indian people work very hard, too. Like, you look at some of the engineers and stuff. But the program Toyota had built in just to be, like, a, a master salesman, essentially, even. Like, he wasn't going to let me leave there without driving it and taking me through everything. But oh, look. Oh, just, go
1: ahead, guys. Just, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you just walk into a Seven Eleven in Japan... Versus Seven Eleven. Is it American-owned? That would be hilarious. What y'all want? <laughs> <laughs> y'all not <laughs> get
0: that shit over there, right? Out of Is yeah. a Japanese Slurpee different than an American?
3: Oh,
2: my
1: yes, God. Absolutely. absolutely.
2: So you walk into a uh, Japanese McDonald's, and you're like, I want this, this, and this, and they turn that little minute timer over, and they stare yes. you in the eye, and they let it go down 30 seconds and then start working? Right,
1: minutes. Because
2: they're like, boom, let's go and get your shit out like, and they're ha- that's it like doesn't a, matter where they're working they're like happy a, to, to be that's <laughs> like a my guard bitch moment it's crazy I mean too. I've had that's I'm crazy. walking into a random store with a map and I'm saying I've heard of I. there was a rumor there was a karate school around this area and I'm searching I'm like I gotta find it
1: you know no Japanese I know no Japanese <laughs> I
2: walk into this random little soup shop <laughs> and I'm like hey yeah. I'm like I'm looking for fighting like You know, if I like trying to figure it out, they left, locked the door, and walked me to the (laughs) door and talked to the people for me with the little English they had. Yep. Yeah. Like the
1: fried chicken at um, in In Seven Eleven in Japan is better than any fried chicken I've ever had in America. The whiskey. Ever. Yeah. I like fried chicken. I've, seen, to to Japan. Do, Dude, I've sure. seen a school trip. boat trip. <laughs> Drunk people fine.
2: sleeping in the train station, and a person putting a jacket over them yeah. and yeah.
0: leave. Like, it's crazy. It's and, yeah, it's crazy. And, the, and unfortunately, we're so geographically isolated in America. The traveling yeah. to other countries yeah. is hard. Yeah. But when you do get the experience, like you guys have had, and you get to see that mm-hmm. different cultural uh, variations and mm-hmm. stuff, it really sh- highlights. Both the good and the bad yes. of our culture. Yeah. Like, some right. of the things that we're missing that we can improve and upon. And the good and well, bad of
1: their culture, too. Mm-hmm. Ger- things, Germany. You
0: know. uh, I think you and I
3: talked about this one day. You and I were doing something, and, uh, like, you brought up the meals, it being a several-hour thing. Mm-hmm. In Germany, it's like, you go out to eat, you better plan for three hours.
2: Yeah. Easy. An experience.
3: And, better. though... I remember being there, at, like, I had a big uh, St. Bernard when I was stationed there, and I remember walking outside, you know, is a small town, I was at Roseberry, mm-hmm. walk out with my dog, and they gave my dog treats, yeah. Yeah. and we're like, no, no, because I sat outside, they're like, no, come in, had my me come in, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, there aren't any real fat people here, no. and right. then talking to some people, it's like, no, because even as adults, it is... The culture that every adult is involved in some form of sport mm-hmm. you mean or, not
1: just watching it drinking beer well it's just
3: the nutrition <laughs> yeah. well it's just the nutrition even, well that's the <laughs> thing i'm sitting it's here like i'm American. like i'm drinking a dark beer that's this tall yeah. and they're a 16 year like they don't have a age yeah. limit and you go and it's like here's bread and
0: whatever like if you look at their that they're baking fresh and all this stuff, but yeah, but there is a big difference between so we and we need to understand this too. So and I think you can elaborate on this maybe more than I can. When we look at the chemicals that are added to our foods, the additives, the okay. The the other countries don't allow this shit there. It's chip. okay. Like Doritos, there's, there's a lot, about. yeah, okay. Skittles, like for example, that class action lawsuit. It's not sold in several countries because red dye of number forty is illegal, and red dye number forty is in everything here, okay. Right. So. There is a big difference between the quality of food. They're using real food. Right. They may be eating bread, but they're eating bread that's made from real ingredients, right. real food, and they're getting it sourced locally. Their their diets may look different, but when you look at what is the makeup of it, it is completely different than ours. Right. The and nutritional that, quality is night and day, and I agree with you. And that's that's
3: driven by some of, it, but the the cultural point I was making was just. You're talking about people who, literally, with every meal, they have that some beer. form of alcoholic beverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a uh, Port- I have a friend. He was from Portugal, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'd go visit him in New Jersey. Total. I went. They called it Portugal Day, and his mom would. It's he breakfast, and she's giving me the. I think they. It was like radla oh, or spin? something. It was like a beer, wine, sprite mix thing it's or great. something. It's I great. have this versoich. Uh, I think it was called. But it's this big meal, it's whatever, and even there, you saw, like, the cafes, the, the everything, but everybody was active, mm-hmm. it was just a, a thing, and, well, I, and, and it was like, what drives that, and maybe it's work... You know what I mean? I mean well, that's where I was gonna like yeah, mention like Japan me. and
2: yeah. stuff. Like talk about how great everything is. They work there, and They work yeah. to the point where if you fall yeah. asleep at work, it's, it's like good <laughs> yeah. because you're working so hard. Right. Right. Like,
1: they also have very high school. I sunset, had a really, right? yes. I had a really good friend well, of mine, dad, Um
2: He and I met and in Japan through Jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. And he traveled from California to Japan because like he learned Japanese and he's an American in Japan working for a Japanese company. And his hours—he's working fifteen-hour days, six days a week. Dude, one of my uncles worked for the Army Corps. Eng- he worked
3: for the it was either the Army Corps Engineers or something. But he designed weapons for the government, and he was in Japan. He the Sidewinder missile. He was on the team that made the tracking system for it. Both my cousins were in Japan, like, one was five years old, and when Amer- new American kids would come over, my cousins were completely bilingual, and they would be oh, the yeah. kid. When they came back, my cousins both graduated, like, at least two grades
2: early. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. yeah Mike!
2: Yeah. But this guy, like, yeah. he wanted to do jiu-jitsu, he wanted to live a life, but he, like, it's he was busy. His apartment is this room. a room, like this, <laughs> yeah. with a kitchen...
3: Right. Bed, well, people live in pod. They have pod sleeping. Yeah. yeah. Right. Too. I mean, I don't have to yeah. tell you you were there. <laughs> but then oh, you look well, the yeah. Norway model where they're working thirty hours a week and they're yeah. still successful. Yeah. You're kind of like, Well yeah, yeah. but
0: you yeah. notice there's a huge yeah. happiness difference too. Yes, Norway, is yes, yeah. is yeah. right. Norway is the happiest. Suicide rate is low. Norway is the happiest country in the world, but for many reasons, and it's all cultural. Mental health is prioritized and normalized. They have access to preventative care, which means preventative mental health training. They have a completely different social model. Their, their romantic engagement, so their mating, is completely different than ours. Okay, So in Norway, you have pretty much a free sex model. Like If you're single, you just go out and you have basically one-night stands. Then if you end up meeting somebody and you have a one-night stand and then you have sex with them maybe two or three more times and you've hung out a few times, then you will consider dating. Okay, but not until then and that is socially acceptable across the board in fact I have that in a book right over there. I could show you and so their model of dating I believe is Again a little bit more culturally inclusive and a little more realistic, right? I think that this model that we have here where oh you should date don't have sex until you get married like seriously You're gonna wait until the day that you get married to find out whether you're sexually compatible with somebody like by the way There are some physical limitations to that too You should probably get that out of the way first, right? We have, we just, there are some things that make that country what it is and why they're happier. That has nothing to do with economics or politics, right?
1: They also have some of the highest, like, abortion rates for disabled uh, infants, which is well. And I I believe, and and (laughs) don't quote, I don't, don't
0: quote me on this, but I believe that they have euthanasia policies for the elderly. They have a lot of stuff over there that uh, gives people the right to life and the right to end life and their yeah. liberties and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I have problems with Norway. I'm not a I'm not a fanboy. Okay, yeah. there are things that they can definitely improve. You sound like no. <laughs> But, uh, but I, they are, in my opinion, one of my favorite countries as far as modelistic structure. I think that they have a lot of ways to improve. But well, if we, it's if really they're we were they're so. a fantastic because you know the neighboring countries Sweden. Finland and Denmark all have similar Similar, governments, but their outcomes are much different because culturally they have different drivers. Well, and you, so. It's
3: like we're talking about, I don't know, two podcasts. We were talking about anarchy versus like the scale of all that, right? Like individual liberty, like total whatever versus total fascism, government control, Mm. whatever. Mm. And that's why. Like when I talked about, at least on paper, how it was looked at through our founding, if at the smallest level the control was there, and there's problems with everything, but if you're just trying to align and figure out creating government structures and then creating cultures, it's when, it's like I said with Camelot, right? Like the myth of Camelot was great when you had Arthur as the king, and Mm -hmm. then Arthur died, and then what the chaos. Right? So it's like, if we're all sitting around a table, if we were allowed to be like, we're our own country. We're planting a flag right in the middle of this pub table. We're our own country, and we care about each other, and we want whatever.
1: Mm -hmm. We can already,
3: we already have our own culture. We have our own culture. Right. Internally. And then, do we need rules to govern us? Maybe, at some point. You know what I mean? But at scale... There can be problems, and that, they got a lot of things right, but they got a lot of
0: things Mm -hmm. wrong, like Jackie said, right? And you're like, you're not even happy with all of them. You're like, these things are great. This is fun. Oh, 100%. Well, it's all, you know, that's what people have to understand, too, is this is all theory and practice. None of this, nobody really knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Everything is always a scientific experiment. Every government in the world is conducting micro-experiments, making adjustments every single day, all the time. So the, the variety of structures and governments... and Look, two lines in a law can change the entire law. One, one bad leader in Norway can change the entire country, okay? This is not a... But understanding it... I think the frustration that I have with it is this. As, as a person who is educated in this field... I studied most of the world social systems, economic systems, government systems, and other driving structures that that fall into that. And what has always confounded me is, everybody has a right answer. If you look around the world, like let's say social healthcare, for example, okay? I can look around the world at all the social healthcare models, and I can find examples within all of those models of things that those countries are doing right. Mm-hmm. then I can look at things that they're not. I, I do not understand, and I cannot understand, why somebody just doesn't look around and just go, hey, why don't we just put these things together? <laughs> right? Why don't we just make the better system over here? You mean why somebody don't we... use
1: capitalism? You yeah, mean... somebody who is... You mean somebody who's capitalism? <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, let the best idea <laughs> rise to the surface. Like, well, hey, know that's the no, that's the problem. It's they're protecting. The ideas that make the most money.
1: That's what it's well, right. well so it
0: becomes the driver, right? right. Nobody to like wants to the copy. The best idea. They want to innovate. So nobody wants to look at a system and say, well, we're going to make our system just like that. They want to innovate it. Or when they want to adjust it, what's happening in our system is we're adjusting those things like the Healthcare Reform Act. We adjusted socialized health care into a capitalist model. So, we made it a capitalist design program because that's what our healthcare system is. Right. So, anybody that wants to bitch about the Healthcare Reform Act, oh, the stupid socialism and all this, no, you got exactly what you wanted. You got a capitalist reform act for healthcare. Done. I just want to
3: de- You just deregulate it. Well, oh, you know, our health.
0: Here's the deal, man. There are countries in the world that have really good healthcare systems when covid happened the country of norway got on twitter and posted on twitter it said any norwegian citizens living abroad in countries with substandard healthcare systems should return home for example the united states was listed first yeah. now it's not because we have better healthcare than them and they're just jealous because we make money yeah. it's because their healthcare system their their life expectancy is like a decade longer their, all of their health rates are better. This is this is not just because it's, it's easier to prevent something than it is to cure something. Yeah. Well that's well, not hard to do. It. It's The random fucking they're doing. Like, that's what it is. It's our yeah. You wanna <laughs> <laughs> you wanna fix <laughs> healthcare no, in this country, all you gotta do is fix the
3: incentive, right? Yeah. Well, from left wing, and that's why I said special interest and greed. Like when you saw the recent thing what was it the FDA? I think it was the FDA. They put it out and they had a thing of like it wasn't the food pyramid, but it's—you'll get what I'm going. It was something like it that. is the food pyramid. Yeah. They're redoing the fucking food pyramid. They that's are, the most atrocious. They had—they
0: had, they said whoa. Skittles oh. were healthier than yeah. steak.
3: You're rubbing Skittles man. were healthier than steak, dude. I'm gonna yeah, kick the microphone. Almond, <laughs> 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 like,
0: are, almond, are you stretched, are <laughs> dude? I'm, I'm good. It's above waist. We're all right. Well, not, <laughs> I'm flexible now, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> you're not talking yeah. about
3: that, but I mean, it's bad. And that's kind of what I go back to at the micro level. Mm-hmm. I, I feel, and I can't, I could qualify and quantify it a little bit, but we, if we're looking out for culture in the best interest at the micro level, deregulated, it would be okay. Mm-hmm. Once it grows to a certain scope, and I'll get, it's what we talked about with accountability, like even in the gym, blue belts not doing warm ups, haves and have nots. At some point, and it's the one thing jujitsu gets right, to where it's like, no, you still roll.
0: You still yes. see coach hold, rolling. Hold on. I'm high, and I have a thought that's really pertinent. We okay. need to make it. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Don't the stop. problem is all incentive, right? So let's look at socialized healthcare versus what you just described, right? So when you have a healthcare model that is surrounded around um, preventative medicine, Norway's model is a socialized model so that everybody has access to regular preventative care at all times, okay And they couple that with nutrition. So they're highly focused on educating nutrition in Norway. They understand nutrition at levels like we do, which after years of independent research, okay? And they're taught that from the time that they're little children, because why? Because that's part of preventative healthcare and they recognize that, okay? So if you want to stop curing major diseases, the easiest way to do that is to incentivize preventative care. Stop it before it starts. Create a healthier population, you'll have less disease to deal with, they'll live longer. Now take it over to the capitalist structure we don't incentivize any preventative care we only look at curing the disease so we're looking for the outcome already which automatically makes the entire population more unhealthy we, we just shifted yeah. we just right. shifted treating the we things. created a food pyramid and i don't, and we can get into this in another podcast we created a food pyramid that capitalized the food industry and really fucked everyone in America health wise and now we're redoing it in an even more atrocious way why because that's the incentive the incentive is to make the population more unhealthy so that it creates more disease and creates more problems because great. that's where the wealth is it's great. that is the difference that's why so you can have a socialized structure that actually works better or you can pursue your greed the two systems are failing because the or the one system is failing because the incentive is wrong it's incentivizing the wrong thing. It's not incentivizing the health of the people. Well,
3: the problem is, is everything this is what you and I talked about, or I said this at the range when you and I kinda of had this conversation. If the goal is altruistic, it's great. Right? But and, and it is the incentive, but the problem is, that's why I said it's what's the scale. You you know what I mean? Um, and I'm just like, let's have more power control at the lowest level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and socially, the even with the teachers unions and stuff, you talk about the education of stuff that's happening, mm-hmm. and the stuff that's being fed down that pipeline to them and everything else. It's like, even like food. Like yes, it all feeds together. When I was in Hawaii, and Monsanto was right there. I had to pass it every day. Their scientists who design the food. Danny's out, everybody. You know, All right, so Danny. See you later, you out, One girl. day you'll say words. The, s- well, the not- scientists <laughs> who designed the, the food yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't eat. They had their own organic cafeterias. They're designing shit. They're working on pushing out for everybody else because, you, like, and but they're like, I'm not eating that. No, nope. I'm eating real food.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. So, network show show that.
1: Goodness. Um, I actually have like some. Uh, experience in the medical part of this um, I had so the military almost has more like a socialist um, yeah. system because they're not they to us it's kind of like what you're saying to in the broad scheme of thing, yes they have to have sick people to make money and they have to keep the the hospitals alive yep. and the air force is constantly trying to fight to keep the the hospitals there. We only have like five major hospitals um, in the DOD. or yeah, you go to the Army. Um, right. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I worked at the second largest family health clinic in the Air Force, and I ran that, and I had like, really it's like a privilege of having good leadership at, at the time. Um, and we turned basically our clinic into for the patients. Um, we had hour-long appointment times. We had same-day appointments. We had actual Health care happening and not see. just pumping out things. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was like magic and just wonderful um, But it took like the culture had to change. It was like an idea from somewhere in Germany uh, in Ramstein um, A clinic, a small clinic there did it and then we just adapted it and my, my uh, OIC and I really just like manipulated everything um from the bottom and it just went through it but we had um like there's a line though because for active duty we could do it all day long because they don't generate the revenue it was the the veterans and the dependents that we were treating those people were the ones who we almost need to keep them sick we almost need to have that Mm -hmm. revenue coming through um but since they're already so old and so sick and so broken, like at this point we need to put the the um, efforts into saving them, you know um, so it was really wonderful but like, we basically dropped you know, access to care was two months out to, within the hour if you call and you need to see a doctor, right. you can have an hour long appointment with them, mm-hmm. and um, I, I know <laughs> and then also when it goes, it goes down to the lowest level, it's um, in this system, it's the person and that's what we're lacking too is our education system doesn't talk anything about nutrition Even mm-hmm. doctors are not taught. They have nutrition class 101, and that's pretty much all they got, mm-hmm. you know um, So it's really about educating the, the person the patient um, And empowering them to take their health in their own hands in this culture that you know, we don't incentivize that at all <laughs> like, Right, so yeah.
0: okay. That was the biggest cultural shock for me you know i got with michelle about three years ago michelle's from canada mm-hmm. so she grew up in vancouver and it it introduced me to several things but my entire world of nutrition changed because she taught me how she well how she grew up eating right, right? their relationship with food is so much different than ours and it completely transformed who I was as a person. I was on prescription medications, I was overweight, I had high blood pressure, I was borderline diabetic. I had all of this stuff going wrong with me from my American diet. And then when I switched to the Canadian diet that she had grown up, that had changed. But you know, other cultural things came with that too. Like the biggest change for me was like, we don't eat dinner until nine. And dinner's a serious thing around here. Like, we all sit down at the table, it's like a two hour event. We will play cards afterward. Like, that is a very cultural thing, and it happens late in the evening, you know. But adjusting to those little changes really does impact like your being, right? And we, what I've learned from nutrition, just you know, all the way down to like, so I got to tell this story because this is so I had surgery for acid reflux, I had a fun duplication. And after my surgery, they did, the, um, they did the upper GI on me again, and they did the barium test, and they came back and they said, okay, the good news is we fixed your physical problem, but the physiological issue, how much stomach acid you produce, is you're in the top like 3% of worst cases we've ever seen. You're going to be lifelong medication even though you've had the surgery. I said, great, so I'm on 40 milligrams of Prilosec a day, and I had been on that for, I don't know, 10 years. I meet Michelle and she's like, why do you do that? And I told her the story and she's like, okay. And so she goes, boom. She goes, here's some pre, some pre, uh, prebiotic. And then she goes, then she switched me to probiotic. And then she changed some things in my diet. She had some kefir and some other things like that. And then within a few months, I don't take medication anymore. I haven't been on acid reflux medication in two years or through almost now. And it's like, and the detox from that medication was terrible. I had so many withdrawals and so many after symptoms, and when I was losing the weight, so I almost overdosed, by the way, on a I had, I almost went to the ER over it. Um, I had so much stored in my body fat, that as I was burning through the body fats during some of my fasts, it was overdosing me, and I was getting these huge influxes of medicine, you know? And it was like, that's, it's crazy, but that's from just, that's from unhealthy eating, that's from unhealthy lifestyle. That's from prescription medications, yeah. you know. And that shit will catch up to you.
1: I think there's something to be said about, like, we, we keep referencing these, like, northern places. Like, the environment, um, like, cold environment is going to drive you to eat certain ways, not, not, I, I, I want to say, like, not move so much. But, like, you can't do as much, I guess, uh, I guess there's not as much availability to just, like, go all the time, where you're, you're inside a lot of the times, you know? So that might uh, funnel some more of that, like, cultural, like, slowing down, you know, mm-hmm. slow down for the winter and taking rest, where America, we just keep on going and going and going. And then also, all these countries in the, um, in Europe and stuff like that, they've been doing these things for hundreds more years than, we, than America has, you know? So we haven't gotten through, you know, we're still at our, like, like Four stripe white oh, we're belt. A mel- we're a melting um, pot. The yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. In our culture, it hasn't fused together. Like, I, I feel like they haven't, like, I guess that's the thing is the melting yeah. pot is too much. That's what
0: I realized when I, when I went out west. And, you know, that was my first time going that direction at scale for any period. And, as you go through the different pockets you and you see how dramatically different not just the geography is, but the cultures are. Right. And you really start to see why it's so impossible to govern all these people as one unit. It's too yeah. big. Because yeah. it's too big and it's too diverse. Right. And to make one rule for everyone, right. there's areas where that just doesn't apply. Right. And then right. there's areas where it should apply. You know? Right. And I think, you know, that's why I said you know the argument could be made. I think that we should be almost in a way be more like Europe, yeah. and just become individual countries and kind of split it into regions yeah. and be done with we're it. Yeah.
3: Seeing it I happen, yeah.
0: I kind of hope it goes that way because yeah. I think, like you said, more localized control, then right. more easier availability. You know, it would be so, it's a, so much easier to move. Let's say we were District Two. Okay, and I lived in District 5. That's dark. dark. (laughs) It is the Midwest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, but let's say I wanted to move to that different district. Mm -hmm. That would be a lot easier to accomplish in theory than it would be to move to, like, Germany. I can't just pick up and move to Norway, that's a that's a task, yeah, right? You're, you're, but it, maybe if it was more localized, I could say, you know what? I just don't like this culture right. over here, I want to go we're live in this country yeah. over here, okay. I would have the opportunity to do that. What about and it would have this? the governing structure that I wanted.
3: Yeah. If you look at,
1: like
0: I said, the
3: Constitution, that's why it's a beautiful document, if it was actually just adhered to, and things weren't, like, if the fort, if the supremacy clause wasn't bastardized and misread and had to be interpreted, and it was because it's only supposed to be commerce. For ports in Washington, D.C., and then the dictate commerce. It's the only time the federal government is supposed to be supreme. But because of money and special interest, like, even on the state level, there are secessionist movements in Idaho, or it's eastern Washi- Eastern Washington, In Oregon, They want to go to northern Idaho and create their own state. And southern Oregon and northern California want to create their own state. The people are like, we are not represented at all. We have this culture. Mm -hmm. We want to do this. They've literally got the votes to ask the state. But they can't get the state enough people to bless off to let them go to vote to see if they can have their own sovereignty. That's Mm mind-blowing. We want to be our own thing. You're not representative of us. The collective culture there says... This isn't okay, and that's the problem when you see, when you talk about insurrections and other things, and it's like, collectively, this whole group of people is trying to advocate for themselves. It's like if you read the Declaration of Independence and the grievances that they had gone to the crown forever and said, "Here's, here's what, we're not being represented, there's all these things. Like, at some point, we gotta throw off these chains. Like, come on, man. It shouldn't even be a question you know what I mean if you' it's, it's like the non-aggression principle who am I harming you know what I mean that's why I said I think common law it's easy to operate your life under common law don't harm another person or kill them don't damage their shit don't commit fraud and contract everything else you do you I don't I don't care you, you know what I mean and, and it like I said if we were around this table saying this we already have our own culture. Hey, we're doing these things. Let's create these rules that we can all agree to to, to make it better. But as it scales up, I thought cow- that's why
0: we're building the fort in the woods. Well, we are. But, oh, okay. <laughs> but as it but as it scales today. up, <laughs> well, it's like the conversation you and right? I had
3: like a month ago right here, where we were, you're like I'm I'm, I'm opting out and I don't buy it. And I right. said, intellectually, I a million percent agree with you. However, there's what is. Yeah. Yeah. You Still physically is. You, right. Or, right, right, right. And that was the point. I was I don't like it either. Right. But just like those people, they're all saying, no, fuck that. And they're trying to formalize it. And they're getting pushback. Why? Like, you think about it, and it's like, yeah. th- it shouldn't even, be an, it shouldn't even well, have to be something you they're should asking be allowed. to do. Yeah. It shouldn't even be an ask. It should just be, here's my petition, gonna, we're I'm done. Gonna, I'm going to go do this. Yeah, yeah but it's why literally would
2: you are trying. We're trying to control people.
0: Well, like it's literally <laughs> the
3: equivalent of saying, this isn't working out. I want a divorce, and them going. No, you're not allowed yeah. to. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, right.
3: that's it's that's same thing, same thing yeah. to yeah. me. Yeah. Well,
1: well, it does happen. Well, but it did.
3: it's yeah. just that's why I said I think in the micro, yeah, cool. Yeah. And we we can all agree. Like if you look at the landmass of where we, when I taught a class called Performer Operational Environment, and I talked about you talked about culturals, and I had some National Guard lieutenants and stuff in there too going through Bullock. I was, like, talking about deployments to, like, Katrina and stuff like that. I'm, I'm like, okay, you have units that were, in, you know, from Washington that deployed to Katrina. I'm like, was it, like, going to a different country? And they were like, actually, yeah. Yes. And I'm mm. like, anybody who's traveled outside their hometown or their Thank state you. or their whatever will be like... Even across the United States, right. we are
0: a different country. Oregon and Florida thing. are
1: two different countries. <laughs> like they, yep. they yeah. feel a lot different. Oh that's man. what I'm you, Once, like once the, you
0: got out west and you yeah. got like Utah, like yeah. you know, I didn't even feel like it was on the same planet. Yes, and that's right? what I'm saying like, about Where that's the hell am I?
1: Different things, like um, different. I mean, that's different mindsets, different necess- yeah. necessities, different, right. different right. expectations, different yeah.
2: expectations, and to have. One group of people rule over another group of people that have
0: no and idea of what yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the majority side. majority of
1: people
0: in one are in like 1% of the... Michelle and I talked about this concept when we were traveling out west, and we had put this together, and I'll throw it out here. This isn't a developed thought. This is just a random. But we had theorized that the, when the more out west you get, the higher you get, the more you can see. And the world looks infinitely larger, and you feel more connected. And when you look at the people that live out west, they have a little bit more of a social mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they can actually see. And if you look at the countries that we're talking about, Canada, Norway, they're all very elevated. Mm -hmm. They're mountainous countries and they have a viewing ability to where when you live in a population, you can see the population as a whole. In the Midwest, because of our lower elevation and our tree line, Mm -hmm. you lose the ability to see around you. I live in the city. I cannot see the city. Hardly ever, unless I drive to it. So I think it forms this very, mm, yeah. like, self-view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we really do kind of feel like we're the center of the world, right. so to speak. But I think it has to do with that because we don't get to visually see it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you it's know, Even yeah. in like neighborhoods, like, you, you it see definitely them affects don't see them. Yeah. an
0: internal feeling you have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when you're in Colorado Springs and you drive up to go on a hike and you're looking over an entire city of five million people and you see it in one view mm-hmm. shot. That's a completely different connection than sitting on a hillside seeing one part of Festus. Yeah. Bro, when you're on yeah.
3: Kiana Point at night in Hawaii, staring out the Pacific. Yeah, long. we all <laughs> hate you, Sam. Dude, my old Lanai. I'm looking at the West Lock of Pearl Harbor every night by a fire, and I'm just staring at the ocean. Like, okay, everybody come done. to my house and look at my, <laughs> my battalion commander came to my house, and was looking at my view, and he's like, how did you this place. They threw parties on my lanai. We had my neighbor, one of my neighbors paid to do a wedding on my back lanai with a band. Like the scope of, when you're just standing there, it's like, there's certain things you see where you're like, I'm small. Fort Lewis, yeah, Mount Rainier. Right. The pyramids when you get off in Cairo when you're like pulling up and you're Canyon, like that's not real. not It does yeah, not compute. Glitch, glitch. Yeah.
1: I went there and I was like, no, dude, no. the whole like, land, all so that out it. there just like, <laughs> the whole. This
2: land, isn't real. Hologram. Like, I think. The, the,
0: I think the <laughs> moment for me <laughs> is Operation. we were just outside of Moab, Utah, <laughs> and we had stopped on the side of the road and we're having a smoke. And there's this wall, this cliff, red wall to the right, and it's probably thirteen or fourteen hundred feet. And I look over, and just the start of where Moab transitions into, um, oh, the mountain range. But uh, I forgot the name of the mountain range, right? But it's down by Glen Lake. And so then the mountain starts, and then you get to the um, the mesas. You know, and the mesas are sitting up at about, like, 8,000 feet. And so you're, you're, you're here on the floor, and you're looking up 1,300 feet. And over here to your left, you've got something that's, like, another 6,000 feet. And then behind it is the mountain. And the mountain's 20, or well, hold on. The mountain was, was big. The mountain was like 15 or 18,000 feet because it was actually taller than Pikes Peak and I didn't realize that at the time. But behind this like 8,000 foot mesa is another mountain that goes That's up another 8,000 feet. In the it's perspective smaller, when yeah. you're in person, a photo does it no justice. Because
2: no. no. you're just you, looking you, around and you're oh just oh like, I
1: can't even I Jesus am so Christ. small. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Remember, yeah. Which is the
2: only mountain. There's no mountain.
1: Range. Yeah, there's nothing else. Yeah. there's nothing else. It's, it's, it's amazing.
3: Just a like, I t- one of the craziest things was that'd be cool. well, being, well, in the, that. being in the water. You should take me to Japan. What's being in the water on a point out of way Let's plan that. And laying on my back at night in the Pacific. Looking at the stars. You heard that podcast. Black we're going Malone. to Japan. Oh, yeah. That's like being in space. Like, yeah. you're just like. Advertising. Advertising.
1: advertising. So, we were.
0: We had Three uh, motherfuckers going <laughs> to Japan.
1: Hey, who wants to sponsor homies. us? Anybody Don't out, out there? Though, Mr. Hey, look. <laughs> you got a
0: business out there and you want to sponsor our Japan <laughs> trip? Um, contact will, us. It's you it's it's we will a, hook you up. Anthony in a kimono. It be a
1: I will wear whatever you want. Four. I will
0: bear war this motherfucker. We will, we
3: will, we will sumo. It's fine. <laughs> I'm down.
1: So we went to kind of to what you were saying, like just looking up. When we were on Mount Fuji, it was an insane day. But let's just say we were coming down the mountain. At, at night no headlights <laughs> and my friend's knees were like blowing out so every like third switchback because there's a switchback all the way down she'd have to stop so we just stop and I, I told her like to elevate her legs put you know like lay down on the ground Face head down yeah <laughs> feet up the mountain so we could do that and it was just all stars wow. and, and it's a um you know volcano so it's all volcanic rock so it's, it's all dark awful. no it's it's good But it was all dark, (laughs) so it was wonderful Um, seeing all the stars like that. Amazing. And you felt small. <laughs> For it's
2: sure. In, it's yeah. the I climbed a mountain in Colorado. Like 36,000 feet. Yeah, it's a, in the car. You no, know? they have yeah. the geese. And, uh, and have to, it should be. Getting on top HR of that. Right. It's one of those like, like oh man, on it's on overcast. You're not going to be able to see anything. Right. But you just keep going, and then you just keep going, and then you go, and then you realize you're above the clouds. Right. We saw. When, we saw oh, it doesn't storm. matter that it's over. It's, it's not overcast. We're above the clouds. Right.
3: When I was in Bosnia, the rest of my battalion went home my company stayed behind. My battalion was only there for two months. My company had to stay because we were the air mobile QRF for a special forces ODA on the border with Serbia. And we stayed, they had our platoon station, they call it, it was Hill 450, but it was called Mount Viz. You had to, to the floor, your Humvees buried. And by the time you were climbing through your gate, you were going two miles an hour. It was like this, like everybody got, their legs grew at least an mm-hmm. inch in the time we were there, just from walking back and forth to the yeah. chow hall. Yeah. It was so high, they used to take anti-aircraft air pieces and aim them down into the towns, but all the guard towers, like it was like this, and then guard towers and the, like, I'm not gonna lie, I'd put on Metallica and just sit there and listen to symphony and Metallica, because every morning, you were above the clouds. Yeah. It was like being in space and flying, because you're pushed out so far. I literally said, if anybody ever tries to assault this hill, because they had mined, NATO had mined the whole thing, too. We'd have mines just push up. Like, I'm like, if they make it up here, I'm giving them chow. I'm not even <laughs> shooting at them. By the time they make it, I'm like, dude, come in. <laughs> come in, man. You're going to be all right. The <laughs> but he clouds like every morning. You okay. felt like you were flying or hovering, and I'd just dude, jam dude, out to music to and drink we're coffee. <laughs> See, I'm,
0: other than on the trip driving, I haven't been to the top of the mountain. But uh, Michelle and I set our goal this, this year, we're going to Colorado Springs this summer. That's a beautiful and I told her, I said, I want to do that hike where we're there, because we're going to be there about five to seven days, so we have time to acclimate. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go ahead and do the peak hike where we're there. Yeah, so that'll be my door. first, uh, f- I think it's 14,000. That'll Garden be my the, first peak. Go to
3: Garden of the Gods, too.
0: Oh, yeah, I've done that already. Yes, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we did several big hikes, but I haven't, my goal, my goal is to hike the seven peaks of Colorado. If you haven't done it, And too, so uh, that's going to be my first trail? of the seven. I want to start with the, I wanted to start with Long's Peak, but uh, yep. we're never up in that area of Colorado. So I think we're going to go ahead and start with Pike's Peak. Have you ever been to Estes Park? I don't think no, I don't recognize it. So
3: I used to live near when I got out when I got out of the army. It's so if you go in there, Springs. No, 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 no. It's north, but it's where the Stanley Hotel is. Mm-mm. It's where they film The Shining and Dumb and Dumber. That's the insane, scene where they come thing. out. When you walk out, like the last time uh, before my parents moved from Colorado, we went there when Ari was just baby. And like elk go everywhere there. Like, literally, I was standing from me to you to an elk just laying there in front of the Stanley Hotel. But you walk out the front of that, and it's one of those awe inspiring things yeah. where it is. You're on a mountain,
0: like. See, I crave that, man. It's I amazing. have to find that. It's You know, when I watch TV and I realize I think that that's the, the trap that people get into is they see the stuff on TV and it like passes by their, their adventure desire, right? They think that seeing that. But it's me It's like I have to be there When I see something on TV I will bookmark that And yeah. go Oh I gotta go there And then I'll look it up On my phone mm-hmm. And find out like Where was that yeah, I wanna right. go be there
1: That's why I you like On YouTube Like People I, I watch on YouTube Like it's just inspiring Like I wanna do that <laughs> Cause I know That these normal people Did that Like You know TV is fake You know Those people aren't real <laughs> Right it just, It's so. just
3: like When you when you know oh, I saw this thing You do You do it justice When I was in Uh Egypt, and we were in Shamal Sheikh, I had to go, because we were doing liaison work for a unit that was going to come in, so me and two of my partners, we had to fly around to all these OPs, because that's their job, it's mission forward observer, they watch the other countries at peace accord. Well, I had access to, I could literally just go in and be like, I need a Black Hawk, I need to see this. So I'm sitting there in a Black Hawk, doors open, hurricane seats, and telling the pilots, yeah, we need to fly up, there's an OP out on this island in the middle of the Red Sea. And legit, I was like, "He and these guys are good, because they have to do drop-offs with wind shear, crazy elevated, and he's like, uh, you guys wanna get it? And I was like, dude, you got two active duty infantry guys, bring it. We flew Napa the Earth over the Red Sea, flying over every wreck, like 20 feet over. And then when we hit the island, straight vertical climb in a Black Hawk. Right up this mountain. Like, just flying over the wrecks, when you're looking down and you're like, whoa, that was a great white.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, And, oh, what was that? I don't know. It was big. Mm -hmm. Like, here's this massive crab. Like, even swimming in the Red Sea and turning around on this reef and staring out, and it's like, all of a sudden it's black. And you feel about this big. You're like, freaked out. I'm so insignificant. (laughs) You're like, I'm so insignificant. That sounds really cool. (laughs) It's just like, whoa. Everything like that is just like... Dude, I can't even imagine, like, you step into space. Can you imagine that? You, like,
0: you know what I love about this? Is this perfectly highlights what drives me in life. That This right here, this conversation, this is my driver experience. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i getting high just listening to the, I'm getting excited, and, like, I just want to boom, and my adventure bug is, like, just well, can roaring. You like, direct that to my smoke rings real quick? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like... It's I wish a, it's it's such a passion to drive. I just want to go explore. I want to have yeah. adventure, you know? Which
1: is uh, why you joined the military. Because <laughs> these are the works yeah. of the military. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, oh, that's a big part of it. No, it I was, know. Me too. Like travel. There's well, even, travel
3: be, even be in northern Iraq when you're sitting there and you're in the Nineveh province. You're going past ruins and shit. You're like, I'm in the
2: cradle of civilization.
1: Yeah, the oldest yeah. place. In- mm. <laughs> well, like, you're rolling
2: through and you're like, wait a minute. I'm having a war where they have been having wars. Yeah, today. yeah. you're like, Tigris,
3: <laughs> tigris and I'm Euphrates, and you're like, oh, that's weird. Like, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt, <laughs> flying around on a Black Hawk that I went and told the, the ALOC or whoever there are guys, like, I need a Black Hawk to fly around the Sinai Peninsula, please. Get me to this island. You know, and it's like, well, that happened.
1: Yeah.
3: That's kind of crazy. But you look at other stuff you want to see, like, I would, everybody's like crazy. I'm like, I want to take an Alaska. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like, legit. Yeah. I don't get
0: cold. My mom just did that. <laughs> hey, I'll have coffee. I Whatever. Yeah, hey, my mom just did that. Literally, I would Dad just
1: got back.
2: back. I would do a, a kayak run. A kayak cruise up the
1: the coast. Dude,
3: when I was in Washington on uh, Puget Sound, we went out. I gave Me and my guys did a. Uh, it was a team building thing in our squad, and each squad built a raft. Out of nothing. They could only use their belts and 550 cord and their boots and stuff. They had to fabricate a raft, go out, and there's this little island they were supposed to try to get to. The only thing we gave them was oars, And I'm on a boat safety these guys. One of my buddy knew, the one who's coming in in a few weeks to be on the podcast. He's jumping up, and I see him doing this, shoving down with this oar. And I'm like, what the hell? And I roll over, and there's literally a jellyfish bigger than the table coming up under the raft. Then he's grabbing and shoving down. I was rolling around, going them, and there's a pod of orcas.
0: Wow,
3: yeah, and they do That's they cool. do up there uh, guided ariadas and a guided uh, kayak or canoe trip, and you just go to a different island each night and follow yeah. the orca migration. Yeah. You're just in this kayak. Oh, I'm gonna follow orcas. Yeah.
2: No, no thanks. <laughs> don't, don't fuck
3: do you, that up. You know, you're out, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's like, yeah. fuck like that. You're
2: the smartest hunters okay. on the plane. But they leave people alone usually. Oh, yeah? Dude. Usually. they don't...
1: Usually, Don't put them in <laughs> captivity. Don't put
2: them in
3: captivity. Bears yeah. usually
2: don't eat people either.
1: So.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: Terrifying. Yeah, I'm Literal ex- sea monsters. You want to go hang out with some literal sea monsters. Okay.
1: Now.
0: Yeah. I mean, sailors wrote stories about them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm super excited about the trip that we booked in May. Mm-hmm. So... Thailand? No, I'm going to um, we so we booked a week down in Big Bend National Park That's and for those that don't know, there are three low light reserves in the world and Bend Big National Park is one of them mm-hmm. and so, uh, and the reserve is the highest level of low light there are other low light areas but it, a reserve is the highest here and so they have campgrounds in the park you can only stay, you can only disperse camp like we do with the Forerunner. You can only disperse camp in designated campgrounds. So we researched the campgrounds, and the campground that we decided to stay at is right on the Rio Grande. So it's like where our campground is, about 50 yards away, is the river and in Mexico. It, we, from the park entrance, it's 90 minutes to our junction point. From the off-road-only vehicle area is 62 miles to this camp spot. There are no campsites within 62 miles, there are no amenities, there are no services, there are nothing.
3: It's gonna be the most isolated
0: I've ever been, and we're gonna do that for an entire week, and it's gonna be, and we're going at no moon, so we're gonna come down at the zero light, and it's gonna be spectacular. There's a trail. I cannot wait. If we could ever
3: line it up, I think we should do it. There's an overlanding trail that goes from North Carolina all the way off-road, and I think it dead ends in eastern Washington, the entire trail, you're only on paved roads for a hundred miles.
0: You had me at Overlanding Trail. Yeah,
3: right. You just are resupplying along the way, kind of like doing the... Uh, Appalachian Trail. I Appala- think, yeah, the Appalachian Trail. Just not so we walking, need a 4 Just not one. I know. Yeah. <laughs> not, no, yeah, that'd be know. so bad, because even when you get out there, like especially out west of some of those places, when you've cut off, it regularly, like, you're... Nobody's ever been here.
2: Okay. I have no idea why. It's just... I have so friends fast. that are going to, um... I guess just Overland time. here. Oh, really? On the way here? Yeah, That's from, from yeah. That'd be fun. They go on full-on, like, overlanding trips. Well, my
3: buddy News, he lives, uh, in, uh... Jan probably has. Uh, Hinder- not Henderson. Right across the border uh, in Utah from Vegas. Day, He's like an hour day, from Vegas. Day, um, as well. He does yeah. that shit all the time. He literally Oh, yeah, okay. If he lives in Utah, yeah. that's what He's right, right across here. the border, like, through right. that, uh, whatever that called, canyon um, is yeah, that comes in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, you've been. You I'm sure. I know what yeah, you're talking about. The town right before, like, the ceiling. Washington, maybe? No, it's,
1: it's like a
2: two-word. Isn't it two-word three or something? I can imagine what that. Oh, no, I sent him my address. I know.
1: not know if I... Yeah, but It's where the good car dealerships are. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> that's what it's known for. By me, yes. You need, a, that's what you I need I know. to
0: buy a Go there.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I just remember there was a lot. Well, that's like pretty good. good ones. No, um,
2: that's all really cool. That's yeah. all really good. There that's. there. Cool. Dude, you got the ride for it. You just got to beef it up a little bit.
3: Yeah, yeah, I just need it. Honestly, need it's much, capable. Honestly. It's capable enough yeah. to do it. My truck right now could do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Unless you're trying to do really technical Always stuff, ready, that truck sure. could do it.
2: Oh no, absolutely, dude. You should like. We went on a trip you know, through uh, Wheeler's Pass. Is what it's like. One side of Vegas, and it takes you up over into Mount Charleston on the other side. Yeah. And you're going up over the, the mountains, but it's a. We went. and there's like.
1: There's just like a day
2: trip. Yeah, like a day trip. Yeah. And we took our F350 up that route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it fine. And it was. Yeah, it yeah, was <laughs> <laughs> there were some sketchy yeah, moments. There were some there was like. We like had a, like a
1: long bed, so. Yeah, with the long bed, a it rough. was a little rough. Oh, but. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it yeah handled, we needed to go. Need and then all order. of our friends
2: that came with us all had Toyotas. Yeah.
1: And
2: our other friend, he had like a tundra, but it was like stock, dad yeah. tundra. And like he your brought your it up the mountain. Yeah. yeah, he brought up the mountain and he went over the other side and. Banged up because all his shit. He's trying mm-hmm. to do it like at night.
1: Yeah.
2: And then he came back and then went back the other way. He's Here's his he sure. problem. Here's his problem.
3: <laughs> you
1: know,
3: it's, so
2: it's so fun get, getting out there in some of those spots, man.
3: Oh,
1: I guess we camped then. I forgot. No, we, we camped. Night. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We
3: yeah.
1: found a
2: dog just yeah. in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now he's still yeah. living with our
3: friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he
0: lived. Good. Okay. Yeah, he's chilling. Dude. Well, we ought to look at all booking a uh, trip out to Moab.
1: Listen, oh, what
2: we do is we go to Vegas. Yes, and then drive man. from there. Yeah, and then drive from there.
0: To Moab yeah. and then you can just offer Maybe the Maybe yeah. Yeah. maybe
3: next, maybe next year if I'm going to shot
2: I'll
3: just do it early. Yeah. I'll book it early and then go out there and yes. do it on the way or on the way back. I don't know,
1: but we have to travel this year for sure. Like I got, we gotta get there. Yeah, travel. Well, well my daughter, yeah, that well, my that daughter
0: little daughter that dispersed too, camping so. area that I mm-hmm. found out there on. Um, oh, I forgot what those lands are.
1: BLM.
0: BLM land, right? Oh yeah. I found that one road on the side of that mountain where I stayed on that mesa, and uh, that had four campsites there down that road, and they were all relatively isolated and nice, yeah. but close enough together that we right. could camp as a group.
2: Right. Oh, oh right. yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. right. So oh, I think all, that that would be really yeah. cool, and then yeah, we could we'll just head ahead. up the mountain. And that wasn't too bad. Getting up to that spot was relatively easy, but you would need at least a four wheel drive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to take the Prius. You just well, we'll so. bring, we'll bring, so. bring some Max
3: Trax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll
0: just tow we it. We'll we oh, we 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 tow it behind tana. the forerunner, It'll <laughs> be we fine. Took we took our uh, minivan,
1: our
2: Dodge Grand Caravan, to the mountain bike.
1: Into, in Montana. into Montana. Into
2: Montana. Deep, deep. We got to where we like. We had to forge a river.
1: Right. So and we're we like, stopped. okay, so we'll
2: stop here, and we have carried everything across the river to go finish right. our campsite. Right. Yeah. It was great. Might be a good idea to
1: just stop. Our friends <laughs> in the Jeep were like, no. Yeah, their Jeep was like, they're like,
2: we're not even gonna try it with the Jeep. Right. And they're like, good. So, okay. But then we just
1: used the river logs. as our uh, yeah. our beer cooler, so that was nice. <laughs> it was perfect. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, Montana was a great trip we gotta do that one of yeah ones. Montana was a
1: yeah. well, That's maybe that's how we should do it is go to Montana because we got friends there
2: and then take Montana then down, down to Miami, Las beautiful. Vegas
1: Montana yeah. Northern Idaho
2: that whole area
1: yeah it's amazing I mean I, I, mean, I, I, mean, I would have retired th- we I would have retired days. there if it wasn't so expensive oh, yeah. we
2: went camping we only saw one other human and
1: like 80 cows
2: and yeah because well, they have free cows. range cows yep. yeah and we saw the one rancher on his four wheeler drive by and goes yeah. four days I heard in Montana 100%. in the
0: summer is one of the most beautiful things a, yes, you've ever oh seen I've never got to see it it
1: was it was like magic too because um, our kids were just in the perfect age We're like Calvin I just chilled with him I was just holding him and then the girls it was like um, it was sandy kind of in the area we were at so they literally we just dropped them off and like threw food to them and that was <laughs> it like they we played just in chilled. the sand we just sat yeah. by a campfire four days got <laughs> like, yeah. a lot of weed yeah like. it was great
2: it was crazy, dude. Yeah. Watched out for bears. Cause yeah. Hey, bear. <laughs> yeah, dude,
3: bear we was dipped
1: it in the freezing cold That's water. Yeah, they <laughs> had like a river, like in a valley. I'm going to have or, to get a
3: 10 mil block before yeah. we make that <laughs>
1: Yeah. But we just got to get those kids traveling. I think that's
3: super important. Well, we talked about, me and Tay, like, when R is old enough, old enough down to, to kind of see stuff. It'd be yeah. cool to just... Take random like a month off. We're gonna travel and go to these places. You yes. know what's crazy,
2: Sam? You can do that. You can do that.
3: Okay, yeah. amazing. That is true. I had that. Yeah, early. you were like
0: actually retired. Yeah. And deserve really? you know what you should yes. do. You know what you should yes. do. You have you earned do that, that, brother. You <laughs> Do that. You should do that. Yeah. You should totally do that. Totally.
1: Don't, like. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, dude. No, I
2: fixed it from the
3: other day. Yeah. Good yeah, dude. That's exciting. Yeah, I, sort, yeah, I, I, I sort. I sorted that out. A lot yeah. of it was just. Bullshit. Yeah. Well, I hadn't read it yet. You yeah, but I mean? it's There's good. A lot of, um, yeah, whatever, we're talking on about
2: like, that, like like not a, on yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, well, yeah, we looks like it. we're probably yeah, wrapping up. up. Right. All right,
0: guys, thank you for joining us. Um, if anybody out there wants okay. to fund our Japan trip again, that would be amazing. <laughs> we <laughs> well, are definitely we we'll be- are definitely looking or for both subscribers and sponsors. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back again. Stoned Apes are out.